Good morning, church family. We are so glad that we get to worship together this morning. Uh, We are back in the church building for our live stream this morning, and we are anticipating and hoping that next week we will be able to have our in-person worship again here in the building. Uh, We'll have more updates for you throughout the remainder of this week to let you know what that looks like. But I want to welcome you to our worship time. Uh, Today we're going to be focusing on thankfulness, and I, I think that Despite how we may all feel about this year and some of the situations that we find ourselves in, this is, in fact, a year that we have a lot to be thankful for. And so as we enter into our time of worship, I invite you and encourage you to worship with thanksgiving in your heart. Let's go to God and worship him today.
Good morning, church family, and I will be reading the scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 9. And if you hear screaming in the background, I apologize. It's part of having kids. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. May God bless the reading of his word. begin the process of uh, going through our sermon today. We are uh, looking at 1 Corinthians, and we're starting in chapter 1. And I just want to talk this morning about thankfulness. Um, it's a little on the nose. I know every year that we come around to Thanksgiving time, we talk about thankfulness. And uh, I don't know about you, but in my home, that is something that we, we actively pursue in the month of November. We talk about thankfulness and the things that we're thankful for. And I I want us to think for just a moment about how important and essential it is for us to be thankful and to express thankfulness. Uh, As I was putting together this sermon this week, it, it stunned me how often Paul uses the term, I thank God for you. How often he says, you know, I, I remember you in my prayers. I offer thanksgiving for you. And as Corey read to us this morning, Paul offers thanksgiving for the church in Corinth. Now, if you've read 1 Corinthians, you might find that surprising because Paul's got a lot of things that he calls the church in Corinth into correction in regards to. Um, he, He definitely has some bones to pick with them, and he has good things to say about them, but he also really enters into a defense of himself. He enters into a defense of the faith. He enters into uh, some chastisement for bad behavior on the part of the church. But he begins his letter by expressing his thankfulness for the people that he's writing to. Paul does that, as I said before, many times in the New Testament. He expresses thanksgiving for the people that he ministers to. And as I think about that word thanksgiving, I I think about uh, the things that I am thankful for, the individuals that I'm thankful for. It's it's easy sometimes for us to be thankful for things. It's easy for us to be thankful for specific events. It's easy for us to be thankful for, for big abstract ideas. But it can be difficult sometimes for us to properly express our gratitude for people. And I think that one of the things that we see in 1 Corinthians is a struggle that individuals within the church in Corinth had with taking the abstract idea of thanksgiving and applying it to the body of Christ. And I want to go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 11. And uh, it's important for us to see and understand what it is that's said here. As we're reading uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we, we see that uh, Paul is encouraging the church to be thoughtful in their discussion about communion. Um, my screen is a little far away, so this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I have, I have it pulled up in my Bible here, too, because I can't quite read my monitor. It's a little far away this morning. Um, Paul tells us that Jesus is the one that instituted the Lord's Supper. And if we look at verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're all really familiar with this passage. In the churches of Christ, this might be the most read communion passage in the New Testament. Uh, Brian, I think, had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago uh, during our communion thought. It is, it is Paul writing about why we practice communion in the way that we do. And in the first century and the second century, uh, the, the term, the Lord's Supper, uh, slowly yet surely became associated with a word that is eucharisto. It's a, it's a word that we now use uh, in many of the high church groups uh, that is Eucharist, and it just means thanksgiving. And we do that because Paul talks about how Jesus gave thanks and then broke the bread. Now, you might be saying, well, you know, the gospel writers also note that Jesus did this. The truth is, Paul wrote this before the gospels were written, most likely. And so he's recounting the history of Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper for those who have passed the story around orally, who know the tradition of what Jesus did. And he's telling them, this is why we take communion, because Jesus told us to. He asks us to to break the bread and to drink the wine, and in doing so, to remember him, to remember what it is that he's done for us. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I think most of us have a really good understanding of how that works out, what the dynamic there is. And we're, we're happy to practice communion with the remembrance of the death of Jesus and of his resurrection. These are things that we, we take into ourselves and think in our minds about when we participate in communion with one another. But what's really interesting about this is that Paul is not laying out uh, a practice of the church that is unfamiliar to the individuals who are hearing it. He's not telling them for the first time that this is what to do. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Delivered. He's told them. Participate in communion. Remember the Lord's death in these elements, the bread and the wine. This is his encouragement to the body of Christ. And he's done it before. He said, I, I want you to do this. And now he's reminding them of what he taught. But why is he reminding them? Because it seems as though they are already doing this. But if you read the passage around what Paul is writing, there's a systemic issue within the church. See, the, the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving, the Lord's Supper that occurred at the meeting of the saints was actually not the only meal that was participated in. In fact, it was the end of the meal. Uh, so unlike what we usually do here in the United States where we, you know, eat, we pray over our meal before we eat it as though we're worried that you know, maybe the meal is going to make us sick and we need to bless it ahead of time, uh, the church would gather together, they would eat a meal together that they called the agape meal, the love feast, and they would share it with one another. And then at the end of the meal they would all participate in communion. And that was, that was a common practice. In fact, if we, uh, if we look at the early church fathers who wrote about the practices of the church and what was going on, they often mentioned both the agape feast and the Eucharist, one after the other. And they, they were really clear that these two things, they held commonality with one another. In fact, if we were to talk about the practices of the early church, most of the time, it would not be necessarily gathering together here in person uh, to, to sing songs and read scripture and hear a preacher. That would happen, but the primary focus was the shared meal with one another, the fellowship, the community that happened around the table, and they would participate together. But there were some churches that really struggled to get it right. There were a lot of congregations that, that seemed to have one way of doing it and a group that had another way of doing it. And Paul is talking to the Corinthians about how they're getting the agape wrong. And we can look at the passage here, and I want you to listen to this. Whoever, therefore, this is uh, verse 27. 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. He's telling them, when you get to the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving, the Lord's Supper, some of you are taking it wrong. Now, it seems really difficult, you know, to think about how we might be taking it wrong. You know, I've got my, my juice. I've got my wafer at the top here. Um, you know, how, how do you eat a piece of bread wrong? How do you drink some fruit of the vine in the wrong way? And Paul makes it really clear that they are. That when they arrive at this moment in their meetings together, there are some people that are just getting it wrong. If we go back to the beginning of this section, it says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Now, imagine, imagine Paul writes the Newburgh Church of Christ a letter, and he says, when you get together, it's, it's not doing anyone any good. You're doing it wrong. Things aren't going the way that they're supposed to. It would be better if you didn't meet at all because it's actually for the worse the way that you're meeting with one another. That would be a humbling and sobering thought. This is what Paul tells the Corinthian church. Your meetings are making things worse. Listen to these words. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. He says, look, there are genuine people in your church. I don't doubt it. I believe it. I know it. But there are some among you who aren't. And that's why you have factions. He's calling them to remove the factions by increasing their genuineness. By all people in the church approaching the worship time together genuinely. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, and another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul says, look, you get together, you have this big meal time, and some of you are filling your stomachs while others go hungry. And then you say that you're all good because you took communion together, because you participated in the Lord's Supper with one another. But no real thanksgiving has been had. And so now we hear those words of judgment that Paul passes down. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's verse 29 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let a person examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Paul says, look, there are those of you that come to this feast, this meal, and you eat for yourselves. You fill yourselves. You you fill yourself to full, and you don't, that phrase that sticks in my mind, discern the body. And then I think about Paul's words at the beginning of his letters, I am thankful for you. I offer thanks for you. I give thanks to God for you. 
And it's no coincidence that Paul then tells us that when Jesus gives thanks, he takes the bread and he takes the cup and he participates in those things and then offers it to them. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. But you haven't discerned the body, Paul tells the Corinthians. You participate in the blood and the body in your communion feast, but you haven't discerned the body. You offer thanks for the death of Christ, and that's well and good. That's what we're supposed to do in communion. But have you offered thanks for the body of Christ? He's not talking about the physical body, the one that hung on the cross. We do give thanks for that. He's not talking about the resurrected body that came out of the physical tomb. We do give thanks for that as well. I think when Paul says, you have not discerned the body of Christ, the body he's talking about is one another. And I think that Paul continually offers thanks for the body of Christ, the people that are the church, as an example to us of how we are supposed to approach our worship and our communion with one another. And it's no coincidence that we call it communion. It is a common feast, a common practice that we share with one another. But it's also supposed to be a recognition of those that we are thankful for. This year has been a year where there have been a lot of things that we we could rightly say we are not thankful for. Uh, I'm, I'm not thankful that, uh, that I spent a good portion of my year preaching from my office on Sunday mornings. I missed the faces of the congregation here. I'm, I'm not thankful that there are those who are suffering and struggling physically this year. I'm not thankful for a lot of the trouble that we've faced. And we're not called to be thankful for bad things, except in the ways in which they instruct and help us to grow. But there are more things that I am thankful for than things I am not thankful for. In fact, I should rephrase that. There are many people this year that I am thankful for. I've got a small list here. Um, Last year, I asked the congregation to record some videos uh, and share them with me so that I could share them with the congregation. We had a few ladies who uh, participated in that and shared things that they were thankful for. Um, This year, I'm taking it on myself. I want to share with you some things but more specifically, some people that I am thankful for. Uh, and I want to start off by saying this. I am thankful for the Newburgh Church of Christ. And if you're, if you're watching this morning, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, if you can uh, see the picture, if you're sitting out in the parking lot, Bill Ashburn, uh, I want to let you know that I am thankful for you. I am thankful for the ways in which you have blessed and encouraged me this year. Um, I'm thankful for the words of encouragement as we we struggled to find a rhythm for our live stream and and make sure that things were of good quality and encouraging to the body here at Newburgh. That applies to everyone in the congregation. And I've got some specific people I want to tell you that I'm thankful for this year uh, to discern the body and recognize those that have been a blessing to me before we participate in communion today. If your name is not on this list, it's not because I'm not thankful for you. Uh, It's because I could literally name every person in this congregation that I'm thankful for, and it would be the congregation as a whole. And so at the front, I am thankful for you. But I have some specific individuals that I want to tell you I'm thankful for and why. And I'm, I'm doing this this morning because as we approach our time of communion, I want to express my gratitude for the body and discern who it is that I share this communion with. This morning, I am thankful for Jim and Janine Marnick. Um, At just the right time, I often get uh, an email or a text message from either Jim or Janine that encourages and uplifts me. Uh, I'll have a particularly rough week. Uh, Maybe I stumbled over my words or I ran way too long in my preaching, and I get a thoughtful email from Janine telling me what she appreciated about my lesson or uh, thanking me for 
the quality of the live stream, uh, telling Kyle and I what a, a good job we've done, even when sometimes maybe we really doubt whether or not we did a good job. But Janine is genuine and sincere in her encouragement to us. And Jim is genuine and sincere in his encouragement to us. And it's been uh, a blessing to me this year as, as I've oftentimes found myself feeling that I have fallen short to be encouraged by people who are so filled with the Spirit. I am thankful for Norma Cook. This year has been a really difficult year for children's ministry. Uh, when, you, when you love working with children and you can't have them in your physical presence, when we can't hold classes, when VBS has to happen virtually, that can be a really difficult and distressing sort of thing. And I know for Norma it's been a struggle because she loves seeing the faces of our children. And yet, as she has found it difficult to adapt and change, she has done exactly that. And she has been a weekly blessing to my children by sending out uh, packets and having uh, information for them to be able to follow. Norma's love for our children is something that I am thankful for. Norma's love for your children is something I hope you are thankful for. I have uh, three, three guys uh, that I want to tell you I am tremendously thankful for. One of them is sitting in this room right now, uh, manning the sound booth. I am thankful for Michael. I am thankful for Corey Craig. I am thankful for Eric Roeder. Uh, there are other guys I could add to this list, but I just want to say this morning, these are three guys that when I ask them uh, to fill in at the last minute, oftentimes they are happy to just say, I'll do it. Uh, Corey has always been willing to provide a scripture reading or a communion thought to usher here in the auditorium uh, to help outside when we were doing our drive-in service. Uh, Eric, uh, for the first time, taught our Wednesday night class uh, a couple of weeks ago, started, started teaching our Wednesday night class and did a fantastic job and just jumped in when I was needing a rest from teaching. Michael has stepped into coordinating and, and leading uh, our worship development in a lot of ways, which has been an admittedly difficult thing to do in a time where we're not meeting in person. Uh, but he's done a fantastic job with that. And so I'm thankful for Michael. I'm thankful for Corey. I'm thankful for Eric. And again, I could add a million names to that. I'm thankful for John Germain. I'm thankful for uh, uh, Matt Hammer. I'm thankful for Ben Patterson. I'm, I'm thankful for so many individuals who have just said yes in times where they are needed and, and been dedicated servants of the church in a time where that can be a difficult thing to nail down what it looks like. I'm thankful for Bonnie Fritz. Uh, Bonnie has been a, a sometimes pen pal to my daughter over the course of uh, the, the quarantine phase and the COVID stuff. And uh, we got her Christmas card and, and letter uh, this week and we're blessed by her words and, and thoughts. Um, I'm thankful for how she... I think Norma called her the Energizer Bonnie, and uh, I think that that's an appropriate name. Uh, she, she has so much heart and so much desire uh, to see people encouraged and blessed, and she's been a blessing to my children. I am thankful for Kyle Williams, uh, my co-minister, who is so, so finely focused on details that I sometimes miss, um, and he's thoughtful in, in ways that are... Uh, a blessing and encouragement to me. There, uh, there are times where uh, we'll be sitting in our staff meetings and he just has the right words to say about how we can address a particular issue. I know we were, we were talking about how we could include those who can't worship in person in our in-person services, and we had completely dropped doing our Sunday morning uh, pre-recorded individuals participating, reading scripture and things like that. Uh, as we were back in the building and we thought, well, we're just, you know, now we have the benefit of not having to pre-record anything. Everything can be live and in the moment. And we realized, or rather Kyle realized, that we were missing the opportunity to include people who were a part of this body by not, at least occasionally, having an element of service that was pre-recorded. Kyle is a fantastic youth minister to my son and has been a blessing over the last several months uh, as Micah has uh, definitely felt the sting of not necessarily having a lot of in-person um, interaction with friends, with school closed down. 
Kyle has gone out of his way to thoughtfully and, and considerately and carefully provide opportunities for our youth to meet with one another. And some of that happens on, on uh, Minecraft, and some of that happens in person here at the building, and some of it happens out back for a movie night. But however he does it, Kyle is thoughtful about blessing our children, and so I'm thankful for Kyle Williams. I'm thankful for Nicole Clark, uh, who has taught me this year a lot about how to express gratitude and be thankful. Uh, she's been a tremendous support of my wife and a blessing and an encouragement to her. Uh, I'm thankful for Evelyn Peterson, who uh, just sometimes out of the blue sends me a thoughtful encouragement about one of the daily devotionals I've posted or uh, approaches me with a question that makes me feel like I'm, I'm probably smarter than I actually am. Uh, and, and I've been really thankful for those questions and, and thoughtful comments that Evelyn provides. I'm thankful for Randy and for him coming out and, and mowing the grass. I'm thankful for Randy Patterson and uh, for her continually keeping us connected with one another in our prayer list. I'm thankful for so many individuals within our church who continue to be the body of Christ even as we can't be here physically together. And I believe when Paul writes his letters to the church that he has Norma Cooks in mind. I, I am positive that he's got uh, bills, not the kind you pay, but the kind that we have, a bill killing, in mind. People who have served the church well, sometimes done it so quietly that we don't even recognize it and we, we couldn't possibly discern it unless we're really looking for opportunities to be thankful for one another. I, I am positive that Paul had individuals like Bonnie and Nicole and Kyle and, and Corey in mind. And when Paul offers thanks to God for these individuals, he has prepared himself to participate in the ultimate thanksgiving. The thanksgiving in which we recognize the common faith that we have in a resurrected Savior whose physical body, whose own blood was spilled for us to give us new identities, to give us connections with one another, to give us purpose, and to lead us into service for one another. And so this morning, I just want to remind us all that we need to be in a better habit of expressing our gratitude for one another. Sometimes we're really good about finding the faults or flaws in one another. Sometimes we allow the human frailness of who we are to stand as a barrier in our thankfulness, preventing us from really telling one another how much we love and appreciate one another. I could, as I said, spend, I, I have got names floating around in my head right now, people that I want to tell you I am thankful for, and if I sat here all day, my, my sermon would be incomplete even then because there are so many individuals I could tell you I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for Bob. I'm thankful for Josh. I'm th I am thankful for so many of you. And I want us to express that gratitude more regularly. I want us to get in the habit of discerning the body, recognizing who we are, and then, out of our gratitude for one another, finding ways to feed one another, not to feed ourselves, but to feed the body that we have discerned, to set aside what's best for me so that I can feed you. And if we can do that, then we take on the image of Christ. Then we genuinely are
So apparently my batteries really wanted us to have a separated sermon and communion this morning because that's where I was about to head. Uh, That's okay. (laughs) We had a small technical difficulty. And so this morning, as we've talked about the, the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving, the Lord's Supper that we participate in each week, and we've talked about Uh, the body of Christ that we have discerned, those we are thankful for within the body of Christ and the physical body of Christ as well. We move into our time of communion, our common common meal with one another. And we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup. And I want us to have in mind the body that we are a part of. Jesus says, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me. And I think about my body. I try to take care of it. Uh, Occasionally I have a week like the Thanksgiving week where I don't take care of it quite as well as I probably should, or maybe I take care of it too much. I don't know how you'd want to frame that or phrase it. Uh, But when we we care for our body, we exercise it. We, We give it the appropriate amount of nutrition. We don't neglect it. The parts that need care, the parts that need Uh, our attention. We seek attention for. When one part of our body is not functioning the way it should, we rest it appropriately. We seek medical attention for it. And Jesus tells us that his body is for us. And in turn, we should be for his body. We should be for one another in the way that Jesus was for us. And so as we take this, this bread this morning, I want us to remember the body that is for us and the body that we are for. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, this, this little wafer, this piece of bread, this tasteless piece of styrofoam cardboard <laughs> represents so much more than what it actually is. It is the body of your Son, It is the body that died so that we might live. It is the body that was raised out of the tomb so that we might be raised from our graves. It is a representation of our shared faith, our shared reality, our shared identity in you. And as we participate in this communion today, Father, I pray that we are thankful, yes, for the body and blood of Jesus himself, but we are also thankful for the unified church that is the body of Christ here on earth. Help us to have in mind those that we are thankful for. Help us to discern the body and to express our gratitude, our thanksgiving for one another. It's all this that we pray in your son's name. Amen. now as we participate in the cup with one another, I'm thinking about, uh, thinking about a blood drive that we had here at the building a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the relationship that there is between the blood that flows through our veins and the blood that throw, flows through the church. Uh, we have different blood types. I'm a type O positive, I think. I, I should know my blood type, but it's on my donor card, so that's all I need to know. That blood given to the other person, used in a a procedure to hopefully provide life for them, gives us some kind of commonality. For a period of time, a short period of time, my blood is in them. A piece of me walks around wherever they go. And, uh, you know, we think about donating kidneys or donating hearts or donating a piece of your liver or whatever it happens to be when you when you you know have the opportunity to give obviously if you're giving your heart that's a pretty big deal and you probably haven't made that choice uh, <laughs> lightly but you give these things and suddenly that person they're still them but they're also a little bit of you 
And Jesus doesn't just give us a small piece of himself. He gives us the whole thing. He gives us all of who he is. And we are called then to begin the process of living into the reality of that image. That there should be, uh, the song that we sing, less of self and more of thee. And eventually all of thee. None of self and all of thee. That we take on more and more the appearance of Christ until we reach the point where on, on some great day in the future we are all Jesus and less, less ourselves, none of self, and all of him. And I need you in order to achieve that. I can't do that on my own. I need the body of Christ. I need each of you. And you bless me and you encourage me in, in your ways of reflecting Jesus so that I can aspire to be more like you in the ways that you are most like him. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the transplant that we've received, for the blood that gives us common ancestry in, in Christ, common heritage in him. And I'm thankful for the ways in which you help me a little bit more by, by being like Jesus and opening my eyes to how I can better reflect that image. And as we participate in the blood together, I pray that we, we remember that. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we want to be more like you. We, we want your blood to flow through our veins. We want so desperately to be less like ourselves and more like you each day. And Father, I pray that as we participate in this communion with one another, as we take this cup, that we have in mind those in our body who, who the blood just seems to flow a little more true. That they've got a little more of Jesus in them than we do and that we can then see that and emulate them in the way that they emulate you. Help us to grow into the image of Christ and help us to rely on one another together to grow and reach towards that goal. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have plenty of ways for you to be able to give. Uh, the work of the church continues, and we have uh, needs, both those of the actual congregation and those of the people that we serve outside of our congregation. Uh, if you would like to give, you can give online. You can uh, drop a, a check off here at the building, um, or you can also set up bill pay through your bank, and so we want to remind you of those things. Um, we're going to continue in our worship. Uh, we have one more song of worship this morning, uh, and then I'll be back to uh, close us out with our announcements.
So we've come to the end of our service this morning. We are uh, preparing to wrap things up. And I want to let you know that we have a couple of announcements. Well, one specific announcement that I want to share with you today uh, about an opportunity that we have to serve. Uh, We've been approached by the school district uh, who are preparing food boxes to give out to uh, students who are in particular need over Christmas break. Uh, As many of you know, right now, the school district is delivering meals uh, on, I think, Wednesdays and Fridays to kids uh, across our, our district. Um, providing them with meals uh, and allowing them to be able to continue to eat uh, during a time where, you know, many kids would have not received a meal as a result of not being in school and a part of the hot lunch program. Uh, At this time, uh, they're receiving meals as a result of these deliveries, but we are approaching Christmas break, and over Christmas break, these deliveries won't be happening. Uh, It's partly just, you know, not a part of the budget this year. And so we are going to try and pick up some of that slack. And there are a number of churches here in town that have committed to providing food boxes uh, for the school district. And so we as a congregation are setting a minimum threshold of 30 boxes that we want to donate to the school district that will provide meals for these students over the course of Christmas break. Uh, The estimate is that these boxes will cost about $50. Uh, There is a list of items that is available if you, uh, if you would like to do the shopping yourself and fill one of these boxes or two of these boxes or three of these boxes. Maybe you're a particularly savvy shopper and you think you could fill six of the boxes for you know, $70 instead of filling one box for $50. We want to fill boxes and we want to be able to provide meals for these students because the box is all well and good, but the student is what's important. Uh, the individual that will be receiving this food, they're what's important. And so we want to uh, invite you, if you are interested in donating money towards a box, you can do that. Uh, If you are interested in filling a box yourself, uh, you can do that as well. If you're going to fill a box yourself, I just ask that you email me. It's chris at newbergcfc.com, and I will uh, add you to our list of individuals who are supporting a full box. If you are wanting to do the shopping yourself and bring, bring the items, we have a list. You can email me again, and I will make sure that you receive uh, the, the full list of items that are needed, and you can buy those and bring them by the building. Here's the deal, though. Uh, we're coming up on the deadline pretty quickly. Uh, this was kind of a last-minute coordination on, on our part, uh, and we are excited to do this. We have one week essentially, to be able to really get this done and done well. And so I want to encourage you, uh, don't wait on this. If you think that you have $50 to give uh, or you have the desire to go shopping and provide one of these boxes, uh, go ahead and do so now. It would be fantastic if our goal of 30 ended up looking laughable in retrospect and we had far more than 30 boxes to give. Um, I also want to say this is not at the expense of providing for those who might have need within our congregation. If you are in need of food, if you are in need of of something that you don't have right now, we want to provide for you as well. And so uh, we are are looking out, but we are also looking in and for opportunities to bless and encourage those within the congregation just as we are those outside of the congregation. So NHS food boxes, I really encourage you to uh, take a look at what it is that's, that's available there and help us to bless our community by feeding the children of our community. Uh, we have one last song this morning. I'm going to close us out in prayer, and then our, our final song is a prayer uh, on my part for you today as well. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for this time of worship with one another. Thank you for the people that are the body of Christ. Help us to be grateful. Help us to express our gratitude. Help us to express our love for one another. Help us to be the body. Help us to discern who it is that we are participating in communion with. Help us to discern who is serving right alongside us. Help us to grow through that discernment. Help us to understand deeply the connection that we share with one another. Help us to grow in our love for one another. Help us to feed one another. Help us to deny self so that we can be an encouragement and a blessing to one another. 
we know that this is what Jesus did for us, and we are blessed and humbled to have the opportunity to follow in his footsteps and to take on his image in our service of those that you love. And Father, I pray that as we leave our time of worship this morning, that we do not leave our worship here, but that we worship you with our hands and our feet and our mouths and our actions and our thoughts and our hearts through the remainder of the week. Help us to be your body so that we might be discerned as your body. It's all this that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.